Hello, I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, episode 34. Welcome to the Simply Convivial Audio Blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. Season six is all about plans, school plans, organization plans, and how to use those plans to keep you convivial instead of frustrated. That's right, your attitude matters more than the plan itself. But that doesn't mean a good plan won't make a significant difference. If you're getting ready for homeschool planning or you feel like you're missing something in your plans, I highly recommend Plan Your Year by Pam Barnhill. When you purchase Plan Your Year, you not only get planning forms, the best step-by-step guide out there, and a Facebook support group, you also get several bonus audio sessions, one of which is an hour-long conversation Pam and myself had on overcoming obstacles in our homeschool days. For podcast listeners only, use the discount code CONVIVIAL for 20% off Plan Your Year at planyouryear.net. Three secrets about schedules. Does the word schedule make you break out in hives? Do you picture yourself hurried and deflated at the end of a day on a schedule? Maybe for you, like me, that's a vivid memory and not a theoretical picture. There's a lot of visceral emotional reaction against schedules in the homeschool world, and I totally get why. I mean, can I schedule diaper blowouts and my doorbell ringing and the toddler pulling open a bag of powdered sugar? Where does that go on the schedule? If there's one thing that trying to live by a schedule teaches us right off the bat, it's that we are not actually in control. Here's the first secret. That's a good thing. Here's the second secret. There's more than one way to use a schedule. I think the natural way to approach a schedule is to plug in what we need to get done into time slots, then pull out our hair when we get derailed and it all falls apart. Then we blame the schedule and we try to homeschool without one, but then we're exhausted in a different way with the fatigue that comes with having to make too many decisions on the fly and bully or cajole our children through their work. Here's the third secret. Having a schedule has reduced conflict between me and my children. Yes, it's true. Now, when we were on those mom will force her schedule down your throat sort of plans, that did not reduce conflict. However, when I was trying to figure out where to strike a balance between control freak scheduler and fly by the seat of my pants a non-scheduler, I came across this passage in Charlotte Mason's first volume, Timetable. Definite work in a given time. I shall have opportunities to enter into some of these points later. Meantime, let us look at a home schoolroom managed on sound principles. In the first place, there is a timetable written out fairly so that the child knows what he has to do and how long each lesson is to last. This idea of definite work to be finished in a given time is valuable to the child, not only as training him in habits of order, but in diligence. He learns that one time is not as good as another, that there is no right time left for what is not done in its own time. And this knowledge alone does a great deal to secure the child's attention to his work. Again, the lessons are short, seldom more than 20 minutes in length for children under eight. And this for two or three reasons. The sense that there is not much time for his sums or his reading 
keeps the child's wits on the alert and helps to fix his attention. Here are the three secrets from this insightful paragraph. One, this schedule is bound to duty and not to mom's will. This schedule isn't mom imposing her will on the household by the force of her own control. Two, this is a homeschool room managed on sound principles. This schedule is a management tool that is founded on and runs on wisdom, on principles, not on hard lines and rigid enforcement. Three, the schedule is something written out for the child to see. Mom doesn't keep it in her head or in her own binder, barking orders left and right to keep everyone marching to her own drum. Somehow this schedule is self-motivating to the child. Secret one. It's a good thing you're not in control. Be duty-bound, not self-willed. Yes, it is true your schedule will rarely, if ever, work out exactly as written. But 70% of each day is still a huge benefit over perpetual scrambling and aimless wandering. If you add extra margin into your schedule, planning 30 to 40 minutes of work for every hour, you can reach 80% of your schedule 80% of the time. The goal isn't to pack as much as possible into your day. Your goal is to make time for your priorities and to work from your plan. As Stephen Covey put it, the key is not to prioritize what's on your schedule, but to schedule your priorities. As Charlotte Mason puts it, we are to give each duty its own time. And when we reserve that time for each priority, we will be more satisfied in our day's work because we too will learn one time is not as good as another. Creating a space in your day for fulfilling your duties is a tool that we can use to grow in self-discipline. As Holly Perlot has written, the charts and written schedules are training tools to help you know what to do when and to help you get into the routine of managing your life and growing closer to God all at the same time. As we work on our schedule in this way, our wills, like our muscles, can be exercised and made tougher, more enduring. Essex Chomlindy a teacher-student under Charlotte Mason's instruction, wrote of how having a timetable, a schedule, affected them. Again, to many of us, life was overfull. We would not be hurried. We like to say, I will do it in my own time. But at scale how, time was to be respected, given to the thing or person claiming it rightfully. Then there would always be time, without overpressure or distraction. This sense of time value was hard to achieve, but it bore the test of experience during the two years' training. It did not seem possible to find a moment for everything, yet if no time was wasted, there was plenty of it and no hurry. Plenty of it and no hurry. Isn't that what we are after? Are we willing to give our time to the thing or person claiming it rightly in order to achieve that sense of time value? It takes upfront work to determine those duties and to write out a fair timetable where we cut back on time wasters and low priorities in order to better execute our true responsibilities. But that upfront work when followed up on will earn us that sense of there being enough time with no hurry. Secret two, there's more than one way to use a schedule. Use it wisely, not woodenly. A lot of the frustration in homeschooling with a schedule is that we have both a set amount of work, such as reading one chapter or working one math page, and a set amount of time. However, when we add a person into this mix, things don't always come out equal. 
we're forced to consider. Is the point that this lesson learns and grows or that we finish the lesson? I would propose that if a student spends 20 to 30 solid minutes with you going over long division problems, then it doesn't matter how many you are able to tackle in that time. Practicing the process is the point, not doing 10 problems. Likewise, setting the timer for a reluctant reader to read 20 minutes is better than telling that child that he must read two chapters, no matter how long it takes him. Elementary children cannot sustain attention and diligence for much longer than 20 minutes, so insisting that they push beyond that is not helpful to your cause or to their growth. Now, once division or reading is easy for them, they might be able to spend longer doing it because it's not as taxing. But don't tax the student for more than 15 or 20 minutes at a stretch. Having a schedule with blocks for certain types of work not a set amount of work, is a good way to ensure regular practice in their skill areas and also to keep their minds fresh by varying the type of work required. Secret three, a schedule can reduce conflict. It's seen and used by the student. There are two ways that I've found that having our timetable written out fairly has minimized conflict in our homeschool days. First, I realized that when the schedule was only in my own head or in my own notes, then I was always directing everyone, telling them what to do. Now, I want to raise self-motivated and self-directed learners, but if I'm always a director, then they never get a chance. Without knowing what's next or what's on the agenda, they cannot be self-directed. Not only do I want them to become self-directed, but they naturally want autonomy as well. So when they can see on our whiteboard that they have a certain amount of time for their work, a certain amount of time for recess, and a certain amount of free time, then they can carry themselves through those times without being bossed around. Second, they learn that giving each thing its own time is the only way to get to that planned recess or free time. If they spend 20 minutes looking for their book, then that has to come off of the time block on the schedule and it's going to be off the free time block. So instead of procrastinating by dawdling, they're actually spending their own time. It took hard days with hard lessons to learn that, but simply having that clear and public notice board reduced not only the conflict that comes from mom micromanaging, but also the conflict that comes from mom's frustration over pencils that take 10 minutes to sharpen. I never would have guessed But having a visible schedule with each hour assigned a specific kind of work has done wonders for the discipline and atmosphere of our homeschool. And now it's time for this season's Clever Curriculum Connection, Latin. When we read Latin together once a week, I have a selection of books that the student can choose from, Winnie, Ile, Pooh the Latin for Children History Readers, and also Fabulae Mirabilis. The student will only read and translate orally, and we use an online Latin dictionary to help us out. Usually we only read and orally translate about three sentences at a time with the help of an online Latin dictionary, and we stick with one story until we've read it all. It's hard, but we do it together, and I found that this edition actually helps my boys enjoy learning Latin more. Perhaps it makes it seem more worthwhile, instead of simply an exercise in abstraction. 
It's decoding. And what boy doesn't like a code that tells a message when you work it out? I've been surprised with how much just finding the right weekly rhythm has helped make Latin happen consistently and with much less resistance. I'm always afraid I'm over-tweaking and making changes just out of discontent and for fun, but then I stumble upon a logistics tweak like this that makes it easier to be consistent, and so it's all worth it. Now I just need to leave this Latin routine alone and adjust something else, like the logistics for mopping the floor. You can find my free homemade Latin practice worksheets that work with any Latin program at simplyconvivial.com slash audio and choose season six. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating or review in iTunes or Stitcher. And you can also hit the share button and share it on Facebook. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the seasons, the full episode list, and sign up to get an email whenever a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. Repeat.